It's a great song to end on because the last verse describes exactly what we're focused on. When the, when the end draws near and my time has come, what will I be doing? And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about that. We're going to discuss what happens after our day has drawn, after the time has come and our day has drawn near. Um, I, I got to thank Marty Sawyers and, uh, and Pastor Lynn for allowing me to come on up here and talk with you over the next season. My name is Greg Tonkinson. If this is your first time here at the mine, uh, welcome. Uh, I'm relatively new myself, and so I'm one of the ministry leaders of the mine, and I have the privilege of coming before you each week and just sharing uh, what God is teaching me through the scriptures, and, uh, and it's a privilege and it's an honor. I think I've mentioned that before, if you've been here before. Um, I take this role seriously because we're dealing with the infallible, inerrant word of God. And I guess as we start, I really want to make it clear as we jump into this season of talking about heaven and hell, and then we're going to jump into the book of James and, and let God's Spirit do His work in our lives. It's, it's my hope and desire that our, our focus is on Him, and our focus is on the Word of God and not whatever illustrations or stories or things I have to say. It's, it's a privilege to be up here, but anyone could be up here. We could all be up here because we all have the same Word of God. We're all looking at the same words here, and what I want to do as a group collectively, and this is why I love this format, because we have microphones all over, and you can just raise your hand and ask a question and give a comment and agree or disagree and, or agree some more, and, and that would be fine. And that's what the, I believe is the purpose of the local church, is for us to discover God's Word together. So I, I'm honored and I'm privileged to be up here. Uh, if this is your first time at the mine, um, it, that's the format. We run 15 minutes of music, and then we do about an hour of just talking about God's Word. We wrap it up at 8 o'clock sharp so we can get home and, and get back to whatever we're doing. Um, we're going to be doing a four-week series on heaven and hell. That's going to wrap up on August 14th, I believe, and there's, there's no child care during the summer series, the next four weeks, but then we will have child care beginning August 21st, and we'll jump right into the book of James on August 21st. Um, I, uh, just so you know who I am, because you're not going to see me every day here at Cornerstone, and you're not going to see me on Sunday mornings, I teach at Valley Christian High School, I chair the Bible department there, and I teach a number of, of Bible-related courses there, this is my fifth year going into that, I've been an associate pastor, I've been a senior pastor, a church planter, a worship leader, I've taught first grade at, uh, at church, and so I've been around the local church uh, for a good portion of my adult life. Uh, my education involves ASU and, um, and Phoenix Seminary and Talbot School of Theology, so if that rings a bell, if that makes it easier for you to listen to what I have to say, uh, great. Um, but that's a little bit about me. I have three wonderful kiddos at home, uh, 12, 8, and 6, and so if you're a parent out there, I'm just, I'm right there with you. I'm tracking. School has started, and well, for us, we're in the Higley, so we got a couple more weeks, thank goodness, and then, uh, and, and so I'm tracking right there with you. I'm busy. You're busy. And the fact that we've taken time out of our schedule to come here and discuss God's Word uh, means the world to me. It really does. I wish that the local churches around America could see this, because this is what it's all about. It's not coming on Sunday morning and raising our hands and singing a few songs and listening to a message, but it's grinding it out day after day after day after day. And so if we can take a little bit of a reprieve throughout the week, and come here and just enjoy one another's fellowship, enjoy some great music, maybe learn a thing or two, uh, I deem that as a success.
Okay, so with that in mind, um, just real quick housekeeping rules then. Uh, we are passing around a sign-up sheet, I guess. There's some clipboards going around. Mike has some clipboards. If you would like to get on the email uh, for updates and, and, uh, and whatnot, um, and you're not on the email list, go ahead and fill that out, and Mike will get you on the email list. If you already are on the email list, do not make him type your name in again. Uh, he'll get very, very frustrated. He'll throw things and kick things and um, shut the mic off on me. And so don't do that. So just go ahead and, uh, and fill it out if you, if you want to be on the email list. And we don't, we don't spam. We don't bombard you with emails. But uh, every now and then we need to update you on some, uh, on some logistics and whatnot. So if you want to get on that, just fill that out, okay? If everyone's got a Bible, uh, and that's kind of my last announcement. If you, ha if you don't have a Bible, um, I, I don't put the verses up on the screens typically. Uh, and that's, a, that's just a personal thing of mine. Um, God's Word is so available here in this country. Uh, I, I would be embarrassed if we all just talked about how many Bibles we have. Not just one, but several Bibles. So I'm confident that you can find a Bible somewhere. If you absolutely cannot find one, let Cornerstone know. I think they've got a billion out there in the lobby. They'll be glad to get you one. The reason I do that is because I want you looking, physically looking at the Word of God. I don't care if it's, uh, if it's through a different medium by way of technology, but I want us to physically look at the Word of God. God's Word is not bound in the house of God. God's Word needs to go out into your homes and my homes, and that only happens when you have a Bible that you know where, you, where it is. So take your Bibles out, and what I want to do is just jump right into this idea of heaven. The topic series over the next four weeks is heaven and hell, but I need to just be honest with you, the majority of our time will be spent on heaven. And that's for that's purposeful for the reason that most of you in here know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're going to heaven. And what I want to do is I want to spend some time giving us some ideas from the scriptures of where we're going. The death rate is still hovering right around 100%. And so I'm convinced that you and I need to know about heaven because our day, like the song said, will come. But even more so, the older I get, gang, the more I realize if our day doesn't come tomorrow, chances are someone in our circle of, of influence, someone in our circle, their day will come tomorrow. And I'll bet we could share story upon story and go around the room of loved ones that we've lost even in 2012, maybe even in July of this year, maybe last week. So if it's not you tomorrow, it's going to be somebody. Uh, I've shared this, and, and it's not my desire to share it multiple times, but because it is some of your first time here uh, in 2010, in March of 2010, I lost my wife. Um, she passed, passed away uh, to a car accident. She was an innocent victim just waiting to come home to me and our three kids, and she got hit from behind and lost her life. And when that happened, though I had taught on heaven and though I had embraced the, the doctrine of, of eschatology and the end times and things to come and I would get into ferocious debates with my classmates or my peers on what theological position we held, when the knock on the door came from the Gilbert police and they said, um, we need to, you need to sit down, everything became different for me about heaven. 
Now, the beauty of heaven is if you know Christ as your Savior and Lord, you're going. And my wife of 13 years, Leanne, knew Christ as her Savior and Lord. And so I knew up here where she was. But I just didn't know enough, really, about what she was doing and how she was feeling and if she misses me and the kids and, and if we'll reunite and, and how will that look and, and it, is she wearing clothes right now? What is she eating right now? She was a nurse here for 12 years at PCH. Is she nursing little kids right now? And if they're little kids, do they grow up to be big kids? And does she age in heaven? And all of these thoughts while I'm grieving are just, just coming down hard. And so I would turn to some books and I would turn to some people and I would, but what I needed to do and what I eventually ended up doing was turning to the Word of God. I read a great book while I was in my um, grief, if you will. Uh, Randy Alcorn writes a, a treatise really on heaven. I highly recommend it if you have a chance to get it. Uh, the reason I love Alcorn is because um, everything he says in here uh, is from the scriptures. And if it's not, he admits this is speculation. And so I, that's, that's one, one book. If you have time to get it, uh, you can download it or, or pick it up. Um, and what Alcorn says in his book is really what I want to start with tonight. And that is, um, do you and I live with an expectancy of our future home? Do you and I get up every day or most every day and realize two things. One, God, you haven't promised me tomorrow. I know I act like I, uh, you owe me tomorrow. I know I live my life like I get tomorrow. But truth be told, in my heart of hearts and deep down inside, God, you haven't promised me tomorrow. And so that, that's, that, that's my first thought. And the second thought, Alcorn says, because of that, does that make me hopeful or hopeless? Because I'm not promised tomorrow and that accident could happen today or, or the disease could come today or the bad news could come today or wh whatever it is, do I live with hope? Or do I live in fear? Do I live in a state of nervousness? Do I live with anxiety? Because truth be told, God, I don't want to go to heaven because I don't know what heaven's like. My hope over the next four weeks, quite honestly, folks, is that for those of us in here that are struggling with that, we know Jesus is our Savior. We know Jesus is our Lord, but we're really struggling. We're not going to tell anyone necessarily, but if, if we had to fill out a form, I'm not feeling tr truly hopeful today, Greg, because I just don't know enough about heaven to be hopeful. And what, what's sad about that for me is I'm sure that most of us have loved ones in heaven. And so not only are we not being hopeful for ourselves, we're not giving them the benefit of the doubt of being in a hopeful place, for being in a place of joy and bliss. And, and so let's, let's work hard over this next month. Could we do that? Let's work hard to let the scriptures teach us something about heaven. Uh, so with that in mind, let's go to the place that most of us may be familiar with heaven. Let's go to Revelation chapter 21. Let's go to Revelation 21, and let's just talk about heaven for a moment. 
And really, let's just see what the Word of God has to say. For those of you that have questions regarding um, uh, the specifics you saw on the rave cards or you saw uh, maybe on, on the videos and you have questions, of those specific questions, will there be food in heaven and do, are, do pets go to heaven and will there be sex in heaven and will I be married in heaven and we will get to those, um, so hang on. But before we answer the specifics, we really need to lay a foundation of what heaven is, is because if we don't get to the foundation, all of these other things, the specifics, may or may not make sense. And there are some questions that just can't be answered based on the, the information we have in Scripture. And so those questions that you have that are really, really specific that can't be answered, I don't want you to be frustrated. So to do away with the frustration, I think that happens when we build a foundation off of the very beginning and what God says about heaven. So Revelation chapter 21, John is writing this, and John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, they passed away. Uh, he's picking up Isaiah chapter 65 and 66, kind of end Isaiah with this same thought that there will one day be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we don't know much to begin with. We don't know much about much, but we know this. Right off the bat, we know this. That John sees a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. Now, again, you don't need to be a theologian to kind of make sense of what John's saying here. He's saying there was a heaven, there was an earth, and they have passed away. And now what John sees is a new heaven and a new earth. Now the question is, I guess right off the bat, is why the need for a new heaven and a new earth? If God in his ultimate wisdom writes through John, Revelation chapter 21, why the need for a new heaven and a new earth? So, mics are there. Just why would you think that we need a new heaven and a new earth? And, and you can just shout out the answer. Raise your hand, mics will come over. Why do we need a new heaven and a new earth, would you think? Because this one is broken, because it has sin. If sin doesn't come to Genesis chapter 3, guys, I don't think we have a new heaven, new earth. If sin doesn't enter the world through Adam and Eve, I don't think, I, I think the first heaven and first, first earth suffice. But from Genesis 3 to Revelation chapter 20, God is giving us a redemptive story because we are in need of redemption. So we need a new heaven and a new earth. Right here. Good. So, what's wrong with heaven? Okay? So, there are different kinds of heaven in the Scripture. Uh, and I would take this heaven as not God's dwelling place. And the reason for that is found in verse 2. So, I'm taking this heaven right here as the atmospheric heaven. Paul talks about three heavens, I believe in 2 Corinthians, and one of those heavens is the atmospheric heaven, the sky. So what I think God, uh, um, John is saying here is the first heaven and first earth, meaning this, is gone. Good, good question, though. Okay, New heaven, new earth, and here's why I think 
that the, the, the heaven, because he says in verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, so now again, I just want to add to these little building blocks of what we know right now. Yeah. Before we go on, uh, Satan fell in heaven. I mean, that's where uh, he decided he saw uh, which heaven was that, that he was in, not this one you just described, uh, the atmosphere. Correct. He was in the third heaven. Uh, third, and and I'm, I'm just kind of, he was in heaven, if we can just, I don't want to get, I don't want to use the, the words improperly, but when I speak of heaven, it's the heaven we all know, uh, it, with the exception of the atmospheric. And so when Satan fell, he was in God's presence. He was an angel and fell out of the heaven we all know to be true. So, good question. Okay. New Jerusalem then comes down from heaven, and where does it come down to? Coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. God says this, folks. He says, if you're struggling with sin, if you've got problems in this world, if you've got trials that are just beating you down and down and down, if you've been heartbroken lately, if your world has been turned upside down, if you can't figure out how to pay the bills next month, God is saying, read Revelation 21.1, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth, and it's for you. That one day, the things that you and I struggle with, even the temptations we wrestle with, the arguments we get into with our spouses or our kids or our work, and the stress that builds up, the grades we just don't, we can't get, we want to get, the, the mistakes we make over and over again. God is saying, I need, you to, I need you to get up in the morning, and I need you to recognize 21.1, which is, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we don't know much about this new heaven and new earth yet, but we at least know that, that new is on the way. That old one day will be gone. And whether you pass before the new come or you're here when the new comes, one or the other, new is coming. And I, I, I want to show you what the new is here. In the first, uh, well, let's see, maybe it's verse two, when they talk about the earth passing away and there will be no sea. Yeah. Is there any, you know, we've all seen the TV shows, the scientific shows about the sun and the establishment of Earth and all that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> that is a scientific model. But what he's describing here with the seas gone, there it, according to the scientific model, the seas came after certain other things happened in the formation of the earth. And that's purely from that cosmological argument. You know, it's, it's not scriptural. Right. So it's, and the last, like, the last thing that, that I remember see, that I saw was the one about the sun. And it was better than I thought it would be because they talk about issues that have to do 
will it make you think about what's going to happen? You yeah. Know, and we're all made up of mass, so eventually we will turn into some form of energy. Uh, so, and, and I think that that's real enough in the scientific realm to really yeah, yeah. But I really don't have a framework that bridges the gap from human arguments to the spiritual argument. I can't really find a way to just step out of it or step across and really conceptualize heaven. Good. And, and, and that is okay. And the reason it's okay is because the information that God gives us is worth knowing. But at the end of the day, no one can draw a schematic of heaven. When he talks about the sea going away, some have speculated back in chapter 20 when it says the sea gave up the dead and they were judged. It's that sea that went away because in, 20, in, 21, 20, in 22, 1, he says, and he showed me a river of, of water of life, clear as crystal, coming the throne of God. So somehow, John has seen water in heaven, and yet he says there was no longer any sea. And so it, it's worth discussing, and in weeks in, I, I don't think next week, but the week after that, we will get into the specifics of the dimensions of heaven, what we think heaven's like. And again, we can only go based on what the scriptures tell us, but I at least want to give us what the scriptures tell us. Um, I'll read you a quote, too, from a, from a book I was reading about heaven, about this issue of light. It's, pre it's pretty interesting. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and God shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. Now, again, we don't know much other than this. There's going to be a new earth and a new heaven, and that heaven, the new Jerusalem, is coming where? Down to where? the new earth, and who's coming with it? God is, and what is God going to do? He's going to dwell among who? Now guys, again, we don't need to know much, but we need to know that. That if you are hopeless today, you need to get up tomorrow and recognize, God, I can't pay my bills today. Uh, I am, my girlfriend and I are fighting to death or my kids are driving me crazy or I, my work is a headache or I'm stressed about grades or whatever it is, but God, I do know this to be true of you, that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth. I will be there and you will be there and you will dwell among me. You, my God, my King, the one we come every Sunday and worship, the one we raise our hands up, the ones we can't even imagine because he's so magnificent and awesome and loving and good and merciful and he saved you and me, that same God, folks, is in heaven and he will one day dwell with you and with me. And that has to, on some level, if you know Jesus today, that has to give you some hope. That has to get you up in the morning and say, God, I don't know much, but I know that. And then John goes on to describe exactly what that will look like. But look at verse 4. And God himself will wipe away every tear from among our eyes. There won't be any more death. There won't be any more mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And again, he says, he who sits on the throne in verse 5, he says, Behold, I am making all things new. If you are in need of a new life, I'm begging you today, hang on. 
if when 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 the police showed up guys for those two or three or four or five six seven eight nine months afterwards i needed this because there was no point to living there was no point to going on everything became dark and full of despair and this is what gets me up in the morning is god you haven't called me home yet but when you do i will experience this and every believer ever that has ever lived has or is or will be experiencing this. So we don't need to know much to have hope. In fact, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter. Turn to 1 Peter chapter th- uh, 1 Peter 1. So it's in your New Testament, right after Hebrews, you've got James. 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1, look at verse 3. First Peter 1, 3, God says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, keep your finger there and go over to chapter 3, verse 15. Chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says, but sanctify Christ. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. See, guys, the reason that people really, really harp on Christians and the reason that that the non-Christian looks at the Christian and says, you know that famous quote from Gandhi, you know, I love your Christ, it's the Christians, the Christ followers, I, don't, I can't stand because you're nothing like your Christ. The reason they throw lobs like that at us is because of this. It says, it says be, be ready to give defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the amount of knowledge you have. No, the amount of scripture you know. No, the, the number of verses you can quote. No, it says to give a defense for the hope that is in you. Well, that begs the question then, are people seeing hope in you? So that when you are fighting with your spouse or your kids or you can't pay the bills, or are you still doing that with hope? That's the difference between those who know Jesus and those who don't. We all have problems. But those who know Jesus can walk through those problems with hope. Not because you're Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman, but because you have hope. You know what the word hope here is, by the way? Hope is, is uh, expecting with joy. I love that. I love the fact that when you get saved, Christ puts into you and me This idea of get up each day and expect with joy. Paul does this. We see the Apostle Paul. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, New Testament. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Philippians, or Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Paul got this. Paul was a murderer. Paul was a killer. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees, so he had a whole bunch of brain knowledge, but he killed people. 
or he watched people kill people who knew Jesus, but he gave the okay on that. This guy has, has guilt all over the place. If there's anyone that could get up each day and say, because of my past, God, I don't deserve to have hope, it's Paul. But look what he says in verse 21 of chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, but to die is what? Is gain. See, Paul says, if I live, I live for Jesus and I live with hope. But I'll tell you what, if I die, it's gain. I win. If I die, I win. D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist, I believe in the late 1800s, said, when you read my obituary, don't be sad because many of you will think I have died, but I have just begun to live. And that's what Paul is saying here. For me to live is Christ. I got to do what Christ wants me to do here on earth. But when I die, I've gained. And this was the hardest passage for me to grasp when Leanne died. Because I'm thinking, I don't get it, God. I get it. I, can, I, um, I read but she leaves behind three kids and a husband and a job she loved. And how is dying for her gain for her? How in the world could she be in, in heaven believing, agreeing with this? That she has now gained rather than lost. Because all I see from this side of heaven, God, is loss. And it's taken me two years and, and some change to really change my mentality to say, no, 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 she has gained. And, I, and I'm, you know, it's, it's not over, I'm still struggling with that, but I honestly, truly, honestly can stand before you today and say, no, my wife has gained. She's gained heaven. And when you study heaven and what's in heaven and who's in heaven, yeah, it's a no-brainer, it's not even close, she's gained. Because one thing Leanne knows right now is I'm going to heaven. Not yet, but I will. The three kids she, she gave birth to, they're going to heaven. So for her, it's just a matter of, just, it's just some time. God forbid, folks, God forbid there should be someone in this room that you don't know where you're going. Because when you get to heaven, you gain. We'll talk about the, the, the other destination in just a second. Paul says in verse 22, for I'm to live on in the flesh and this will mean fruitful labor for me and I don't know which to choose. Listen to this, he says, but I'm hard pressed from both directions. I have the desire. I have the great desire to depart and to be with Christ. He says this, for that is very much better. He says, I've got these great ministries going on here on earth. I am winning people, I'm droves of people to Christ. If there is a guy who knows what he's talking about, it's me. If there's a guy who could promote his resume, it's me. If there's a guy who, who could have success, it's me. And he says, I would so much rather be with Christ because that is so very much better. I wonder today, do you feel that way? Do I feel that way? Paul understood that, yes, we have work to do here on earth. But heaven is so much better. Um, I pulled up this quote from C.S. Lewis, I believe. I don't know if it's up here. There it is. Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking. 
but it's one of the things a Christian is meant to do. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. See, people will say, get your head out of the clouds. Don't think about heaven all the time. There's work to be done on earth. And Lewis says, yeah, those who did the most on earth, it's because they thought the most about heaven. See, they realized, I am on a timeline here. The clock is ticking. I got to get stuff done. Because when I get to heaven, no more pain and suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears. So I got work to do now because when I get to heaven, I've reached my destination. I'm good to go when I get to heaven. So God, what should I do here on earth? I long for heaven, but I've got work to do here on earth. God, lay it out in front of me. And those are the Christians that get the most done. That's what Lewis is saying here. So I wonder again, do you and I live with hope? Let me just ask the question out loud. Let's just talk as a, as a, as a group here. Why don't we think about or get excited about heaven? Let's just be honest. Because before you came in here, and maybe even still, you're not terribly excited about heaven. I'm okay with that. Why is that, though? Why don't we as a Christian body, as a local church, as a, as a body of Christ, why don't the majority of Christians get excited about heaven? What, what do you think? Why don't they get excited about heaven? Okay. Uh, one at a time. So right here, I'm sorry. You're worried about your loved ones not seeing them again. Okay, so there's, there's fear. There was another one out here. Speaking not for myself, but I think a lot of other people think so because it seems so far away. Seems so, so far. Distant, you know, they're thinking heaven is way down the road. They're not thinking tomorrow. Okay, like good. You mentioned. Okay, good. Uh, I'll keep that at earthly, yeah. Our focus is right here. Yep. Why else? Why don't we get excited about heaven? We have, we have not stored our treasures. Okay, again, I'll lump that into earthly. Unseen. It's unseen. Uh, I, I'm going to say this. Um, I think there's some ignorance involved. And, and I'm not saying that negatively. I just think, there, I think we're ignorant about heaven. Which again, you know, God's going to gently come alongside you, Christian, uh, as you mature in him, as you long for the word of God. He's going to come alongside you at some point and nudge you gently through the Holy Spirit and say, your ignorance has to end at some point. Because I have given you resources, including my word about heaven. Why else? Maybe because um, we'll just be singing hymns all the time in heaven. Great. Thank you for saying that. See, none, no, you're, you're, none, no one else is going to say that, but ex that's exactly what you think. We think heaven's going to be boring. You're out there, guys, or, or girls, or, you know, ladies, you're out there on the golf course, and you are, you know, looking around, and it crosses your mind. God, I'm not going to say this out loud because it'd be a selfish prayer, but please, God, let there be golf in heaven. You're, you're, you're off the coast of Kauai, and you're taking a, a boat tour, and you're seeing the dolphins, and, and you're just, you're full of joy. You're just, your heart is just bubbling over. You're just, you can't even contain it. You're just, you're looking at God's creation, and you're saying, I just, I, I'm so in awe of, of your beauty. And that, by the way, that's marred beauty, right? That's sin-filled beauty, but it's still beautiful, it's still majestic. And the thought just kind of quickly crosses your mind, I don't want to go to heaven. Because heaven is going to be one long, boring church service. 
and I'm out here, I'm out here, you know, playing Titanic, you know, and, and like, you know, king of the world, and I don't, well, I don't want to leave this. Yeah, it, it's crossed my mind a lot of times, um, and I've, I've probably, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if you can pray wrong prayers, but I've prayed, God, I, I can't have heaven be boring. Like, like God cares what I have to say. <laughs> Solving world issues, and he's, you know, I'm, I'm asking heaven not to be boring. Uh, next week, I believe we're going to talk about the house of God, and, and um, I, I've got some things to say about that. It's, it's not going to be. Um, yeah. The, we're supposed to be, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And to do that, we need to read the Word of God. And if we're not reading the Word of God and filling ourselves with the Word, then heavenly things aren't being renewed. We're not transforming and we're not uh, taking out the trash and filling it back up with, with life. Yeah. We're not tossing out death and filling it back up with life. Yeah. Then uh, heaven is going to be far from our thoughts if our minds aren't being renewed. You're exactly right. Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3, 1. Paul says, keep seeking the things where? Above. He says, just write out Colossians 3, 1. Keep seeking the things above, not the things that are on earth, but rather set your mind on the things that are above and beyond this. And there's multiple reasons for that, not just thinking about heaven, but it gets you out of the woe is me, the, the shoe is coming down, the sky is falling mentality. Life is bigger than you. Um, I, I've said this several times, I think, but Leanne's death has caused not only people coming to know Christ by the dozens, but there is a ministry now that has been started, a nonprofit, where, the, where one of her best friends makes blankets, little newborn blankies, and they go all over the world now. I, I would uh, take the rest of the time to, to list how many countries these blankies have been to, and they have Leanne's name on them, all of them, every one of them, on the tag. And it's because God took her life at 35, and in his timing, in his plan, he said, I want other people to come to know me through that, and I want to put some clothes on some newborn babies that don't have them. And, and but yeah, but I wouldn't come to that conclusion if I'm not renewing my mind. You're exactly right. Yeah, one more, and then, and then I'll give you some thoughts. Uh, one of the reasons... Uh, he doesn't really tell us much in Scripture about heaven specifics. Uh, you know, there's, there's things like we have up there and how we uh, worship Christ because he's so beautiful and heaven is... But there's very few details. Christ talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. That's true. So, he did do that. You know, so we jump to a lot of conclusions or really wonder this reference you had with Paul. Yeah. He actually saw it. John saw it. True. Neither one described hardly any of it to us, except the New Jerusalem, which isn't really heaven. That's where the church lives. And that's true, and that's where I want to start, I guess. Let me give you four quick reasons why I think we don't think about heaven a lot. The first is ignorance. I think you're exactly right on that. We gain our information on heaven from touched by an angel. Um, um, what's the one with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt where she's a... Uh, what? Ghost Whisperer. Um, there was one with Robin Williams. There was a movie out a long time in the 90s uh, where he went to, his wife died, and then he died, and then she was in hell and from a suicide. And, uh, what was it? 
what dreams may come, okay? We gain our information from the media, from non-Christians, from people that haven't even read the Word of God, and we are downloading that as fact. And so we become, in essence, ignorant. In fact, if I were to say to you tonight, take out a piece of paper, and every one of you draw me a picture of heaven, what you th if I were to bring up a volunteer and give you the whiteboard and say, draw us a picture of heaven, what would you draw? What would come to your mind? Um, some of us, I don't know if it's up here again here, can we go to, there we go. So some of us have this image where it's, it's you know, there's a, there's a kingdom there and there's maybe a, a, a lightning thing coming down and what is that, like a Pegasus or something up there? Um, there's like, you know, there's a bridge going, but you don't want to fall off because who knows what, you know, there's no, there's, I don't know what that is, but some of us think that. Some of us think about clouds and, you know, we see, you know, you see, a, you see the sun beating through and, and that's what you think heaven is. Uh, you think heaven is going to look like something like that and that's a pretty picture. I'm not saying it's not pretty, but why do you think heaven's going to look like that? Well, because heaven's up and the clouds are up, and so there I just put the two together. And <laughs> Okay, I wouldn't write a book on it. Um, some of us have been out on planes, and we've looked out the window, and we've seen the horizon, and because we don't see that every day unless we work for Southwest, you know, we get all giddy inside because we think that's what heaven's like. You know, it's just this endless, that's heaven right there. Which, again, it's a cool picture, but... What, what do you do in that? <laughs> really, what do you do? Uh, can you even, I don't know. Can, can they hold you? I mean, can they hold anyone? It's, uh, what do you do in that? So, all dogs go to heaven, sure, yeah. They, that's how you bounce on the clouds, yeah. Some people think heaven is, the, is, is a forest, and, and it's because you like camping. It really is. We, we default to the things we like. Um, some of you think, some of you are great, you have a green thumb, and you just think, you think heaven is going to be this lush garden, and, and so you get, you get all jazzed when we turn to Genesis 1 and 3, and they're in the garden, and you like that, because you think of your garden. And you think, that I want heaven to be like that. Uh, Again, there's nothing wrong with speculating and saying, I don't know, maybe, but there is something wrong with saying that's what it is without concrete proof. Then you have to backtrack a little. Um, some of you think heaven is, you know, it's over the hill, and it's just this winding path in a green meadow, and when I die, I just walk the path, and right over that little hill there is heaven. Um, some of us have, you know, we have the tunnel experience. And this is why we don't want to go to heaven, because that freaks me out right there. <laughs> and if you're even close to being claustrophobic, you, don't, that, you want to go through that? Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, it's like an aquarium you're walking into or something. You know, you don't want to do that. But some of us, we've, been, we've seen movies and we've seen pictures where this is what heaven is. Um, some of us see the stairway to heaven, and we... We think that when we die, there's a, there's a literal stairwell that we have to climb. God forbid it should be this one, because those blocks are like 15 feet tall. We can't, you couldn't even climb them. 
And so you see a picture like this and you begin to wonder and, you, and it makes you nervous. It makes you, you know, it, just, it doesn't sit well with you. Um, those of us who have listened to Led Zeppelin, we think there is a stairway to heaven. And, uh, and so, you know, that's our image. That's our picture. Um, we read in Genesis about Jacob's ladder and that's, that's it then. That's, the, that's how, even though Jacob never ascended up there, and all we have in that account are angels descending, uh, we think that that's our ticket. Um, people think that angels, there's, there's, now with this one, there is some biblical evidence that, there, that angels would be present during your death. Um, what they do with you and how, you know, um, that's speculation, but there is some, there's some, uh, there's a passage that does speak of that. I'm, I'm, I can't recall exactly where it is right now, but that's our image, is we think angels will carry us away when we pass. We read testimonies of people that have seen the light, these NDEs, these near-death experiences, and they talk about a light, and they talk about angels lifting them off, and so that's, that's, our, that's our feeling and our thought when it comes to heaven. Um, some people think that, again, this is a picture of an angel leading someone. You have to have a white robe to get into heaven, and so if you don't have one, can I suggest you go buy one? Because you need one to get into heaven, apparently. And so, so this, per, you know, and the angel's huge, and, and, uh, and he's leading you into a light that you don't know what's in the light. And so he's kind of pushing you forward, but you're, you know, truth be told, you don't know if you want to go into the light, because you don't know what's in there. It just doesn't look terribly appealing. All dogs go to heaven. Um, I don't know. Um, and so we have images of Fluffy and Fido and Scooby and Slippy and Petey and going to heaven. Um, and we'll talk about that, I think, in two weeks. You know, are animals in heaven? And more specifically, though, Greg, is my pet in heaven? I don't care if animals are in heaven. I want to know about my pet. Um, that's going to be a tough mine for some of you, I think. Um, uh, then, uh, this actually came from a Jehovah's Witness, back of a Jehovah's Witness um, track, the Watchtower. This came from there. Um, that's their image of Paradise Earth. Dogs and rainbows and flowers and meadows, and uh, it's great. That's a great scene. I'm just not sure it's accurate, and that's what I'm driving toward is accuracy. But most of us, we get this picture. Uh, don't get me wrong, um, I like heaven, but it seems like we are going to church all the time. <laughs> and that was mentioned over here, that that's what bothers us about, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm speaking about hope, and I'm talking about hope, and you're just, you're, you're mentally, and, and really, some of you even physically just pushing back, saying, I want to get there, Greg, but I can't because that's what I think about when I think of heaven, and I just can't get to the hope part yet. And I'm just asking you, hang on. Because all of these, the ones I just shared with you, um, all of them are speculation. I can't change your mind. If you have set in your head that God is an old man with a white beard that sits on a throne, and we have robes and halos, and, and we sit on clouds with harps, I can't change your mind on that other than to tell you everything I just said is false from the scriptures. But boy, we have done a great job as a culture of screwing that up. Um, even this song, you know, most of us have sang this song at some point, Mercy Me's song. It's a great song. It's very comforting. 
But if this is all we do, I don't want it. I'm just probably being sacrilegious here, but I don't want it. Um, I can only imagine when that day comes when I find myself standing in the sun. That's great. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. I, can, I can't imagine that. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic or flippant. I can't imagine that. There are passages in the scriptures where certain angels and certain saints, that, that is their job. That has been relegated to them to worship God around the throne forever and ever. But that's not what I get from all of us. And these songs, as beautifully as they're written, I just, I gotta be honest with you guys, I want more. And thankfully, I think over the next few weeks, I can help us all understand there is more. There's a lot more. Words like adventure, work, learning, relationships, fun, unbelievable scenery, um, we'll get to. And so I hope that gives you a little bit of a taste of maybe uh, what we can look forward to. So the first thing is ignorance. I think that that's why we don't necessarily like heaven. The second reason is what was mentioned here before. I think we do focus. I think you guys, uh, let's see. Um, I think you articulated it excellently, um, that, that we do focus on earthly things. Uh, we, we're, we don't have time, but let me just address the issue in Luke 16. I believe it's Luke 16, uh, Luke chapter 12. In fact, I think I have the Lewis quote here. Look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, he says, It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. C.S. Lewis says, Because we, we don't think about the other world, we're so ineffective in this one, and it's because we can't get out of our, the earth. We, we just can't get above it or beyond it. We're so bogged down, largely in part, let's just be honest, largely in part to our own misfortunes and misgivings. Because we, we drown ourselves in debt, we drown ourselves in bad choices, and we drown ourselves in relationships we shouldn't be in, and then we just were bogged down in this stuff. And you're right, someone said it over here, we can't have our minds transformed if we're not in the Word of God. And so if the only time we're opening God's Word is on Sunday, and, and you know, Truth be told, how many of you get up on Sunday and you physically go get a Bible or your iPad or so that has a Bible on it, app on it, and bring it to church? Or how many of you get in your car and you say, they'll have it on the screen? You don't need to bring it, they'll have it on the screen. It's just, it's dumbing down, guys. And we don't need to do that. Lewis says we're ineffective when we do that. So in Luke chapter 12, there's this great account where the guy, this, this guy builds because his, God did bless him, but then he builds more and more and more and more. And he says, I don't have anywhere to put the grain. So he builds big, bigger silos and bigger barns and bigger barns. And then he sits back after he does it. And, he's, and he says, it's time to eat, drink, and be merry now. And the very next verse in Luke chapter 12, uh, 15, 18-ish, God says, you fool. This very night, your life is required of you. And all you did was put your earthly treasures here and you can't take it with you. There's no U-Haul behind the hearse. And you're a fool for doing that. Because you, you thought you, life is just going to go on as normal. And, you know, when I was teaching in the spring, I, you know, I mentioned this. Um, there is nothing better that I learned, guys. That when your loved one, child, spouse, aunt, uncle, grandparent, when they pass away, when you're proud of their life. Nothing better. 
there's no greater feeling than for you to step up in front of everyone and say, I miss them, but I'm proud of them. They lived well. And if all you're doing is building here on earth, I gotta gently come alongside of you guys and say, I, I, you gotta check that. Are you living well? The world will say you're living well. But are you living well? How are your relationships right now? How are your, how are your, your, uh, your loved ones looking at you right now? Well, I'm just, I'm building up my kingdom. I can't be around them. You're not living well. And so I, so I think we get so caught up in the earthly things. Here's the third thing. Uh, and I, I, there was only three, actually. Um, the third thing is it puts us in a position to defend and define. And this, this I, I really do believe this. I think that we're ignorant on heaven because it, puts, it forces you and me into a position to defend and define what we believe. For instance, you can't, these, these, oh, these coexist stickers and peace bumper stickers, I'm sorry, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't. It plays well, it sounds great, it, it looks good, the graphic looks cool with all the, all the symbols, until you get to looking at all the major world religions and asking, fine, that's fine, if you want to coexist, and what do you believe about the afterlife? Share with me what you believe about the afterlife, and then the wheels just come right on off. Uh, Mormonism. Um, if you don't know, uh, if you don't believe in Mormonism, then when you die, when Leanne died, she went to what they would deem as a spirit prison. And in that spirit prison, she's preached to by Mormons who have passed on so that she would realize that not only is the Bible accurate, but the additional revelations about the Bible, including what Joseph Smith had to write, are accurate. And then she's given a chance to repent and then believe in that. But even if she does, there are three options then, the telestial, terrestrial, and celestial heaven. She can't go to the celestial because that's for Mormons who were Mormons here on earth only. She might be able to get to the terrestrial, but probably telestial. Okay, I don't care, you know, what you think about, you know, Latter-day Saints or, you know, great, I mean, unbelievable, doing great works and stuff. It's a different afterlife program than Protestant Christianity. It just is. Uh, you know, whether we read the Bible or share some common thoughts about Jesus, it's a different afterlife program. Um, Judaism, there are works involved, whether you go to Ganidam, which is paradise, or Gehinnom, which is sort of a hell, but you're annihilated in that particular hell. And it's all based on how good of a person you are. Buddhism, you have to follow the eightfold path. And when you do, you die and you're reincarnated over and over and over again until you reach a state of nirvana. Then you can get out of the reincarnation because you've reached that perfect or that true, that state of truth. Hinduism, it doesn't even come close to a biblical heaven and hell. Islam, Nope. When you die, martyrs that die automatically go to paradise for Muslim martyrs. And in that paradise, there's wine, drink, and women, basically. Virgins, for that matter. And yes, non-Muslims can go there, but, but uh, Jews and Christians to some extent, but a lot of Muslims don't believe that Jews and Christians even will get there. And they don't even know if they'll get there, to be honest with you. All the world religions, I will go so far as to say, 
have built their afterlife program on works. Do this, this, and this. Follow the five-fold path of, uh, for Hindus, and you will then excel. Um, uh, the, um, uh, for, uh, for Muslims, it's the same thing. For Mormons, the same thing. Catholicism, follow the sacraments. You have to, you base your life on the sacraments. And even if you do follow all the sacraments, you know if you've grown up Catholic, you know mortal sins and venial sins. If you've committed a mortal sin, you better get that worked on. Because that's a, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a deal breaker. Venial sins, there's purgatory, and so there's some refinement to be done. But that's, that's different than a, a Protestant view of heaven and hell. So what I'm saying is, is we get a little itchy about heaven and hell because we're forced then to defend it and define it. Um, we're out of time. Okay. I'm going to end with this. You know what? Let me end with, let me make sure I, no apps up there are going to offend anyone. Okay. Um, wouldn't that have been embarrassing? <laughs> Whew. Okay, let me end with this. I want to end with hope. Um, I was talking to Mike, um, uh, who runs the mine here, and he said, you know, end with hope. Always end with hope, and I, I love that because it's true. I get so caught up in the specifics, I forget that sometimes. So here, here's hope. Let me just read this. Uh, so look out the window. Take a walk. Talk with your friend. Use your God-given skills to paint or draw or build a shed or write a book. But imagine it, all of it in its original condition, the happy dog with the wagging tail, not the snarling beast beaten and starved. The flowers unwilted, the grass undying, the blue sky without pollution. People smiling and joyful, not angry, depressed and empty. If you're not in a particularly beautiful place, close your eyes and envision the most beautiful place you've ever been, complete with palm trees, raging rivers, jagged mountains, waterfalls, snow drifts. Think of friends or family members who love Jesus and are with him now. Picture them with you, walking together in this place. All of you have powerful bodies, stronger than those of an Olympic decathlete. You're laughing, playing, talking, reminiscing. You reach up to a tree and pick an apple or an orange. You take a bite. It's so sweet that it's startling. You've never tasted anything so good. Now you see someone coming towards you. It's your Jesus with a big smile on his face. You fall to your knees and worship. He pulls you up and embraces you. At last, you're with the person you were made for in the place you were made to be. Everywhere you go, there will be new people and places to enjoy, new things to discover. What's that you smell? A feast? A party's ahead and you're invited. There's exploration to be done and you can't wait to get started. Randy Alcorn wrote that, and the next paragraph in his book says, everything he set up there, he can show you in Scripture that is true. So guys, if you're hopeless tonight about where you're going, where your destination is, and you know Jesus Christ, have hope. Get up with expected joy tomorrow. Let me close this in prayer. Father, you're good to us. We don't deserve heaven, but you're giving it to us. So let us live with expected joy this next week. We'll come back next week and do our best, Father, to learn more about you and your dwelling place. But until then, may we live with expected joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care. We'll see you next Tuesday.